0: you podcast by the daily gopher i'm chris go away you fur with me this week is andy gopher guy 5
1: we've reached that point in the pandemic where we have literally nothing else to do but to talk to you guys and you streets. help
0: so still no sports sort of thinking about it out there nba mls mlb finally stopped the owner's Found a way to cheat the players or they stopped being greedy as fuck. I don't know. Something happened. I gave up on Major League Baseball a while ago, so I'm not really paying attention and we don't need to talk about it now. What we really care about on the Skyview Podcast, of course, is college football and whether it's happening. And I feel before I turn it over to Andy and Street, I'm going to spoiler alert my opinion, which is no, college football is not going to happen. But uh, let's let's go to Andy, you first
1: so it shows you how long that we haven't done one of these for that the last time we talked about this we were kind of like yeah i don't know how this is really looking and then there was like a month of yeah this is actually happening and everybody started bringing people back to campus and then clemson had like 35 guys come down with covid and alabama had their players who were testing positive for covid going to parties to let other people get tested positive and we've now come back 100 percent, 360 degrees to where we're like yeah i don't know maybe we can play in the spring so um by the way the season's not supposed to start for like another eight weeks so i don't think anybody has any bleeping clue what the hell's going on um, yeah
0: we actually don't know but i'm just oh, no, moved no. i moved mean, into pe- uh, full pessimism over here i mean that's
1: the thing we were full pessimism and then we had like three weeks of like yeah this is happening and now we're like uh oh, crap you idiots in the south screwed it for everybody again um so yeah you know i i legitimately don't know uh, I was on the record six weeks ago, or whenever the hell we did this, of saying I wouldn't be surprised if they're playing football in the spring, and then everybody was like, nah, we're not going to play football in the spring, and then Stuart Mandel today came out with an article saying, hey guys, you should really think about playing football in the spring. Um, so I legitimately don't know what's going to happen. I, I I know one thing. They will figure out some way, come hell or high water, to play football, because uh 98% of the athletic department's budgets in this country will be literally destroyed if they cannot play football at some point in the next calendar year. So, they will figure out a way to do it. Um I don't think anybody really has a realistic idea of how that's going to happen if t- all the teams are going to participate. Um if some of the teams don't participate, do they still get their paycheck? I I you know, there's so many there's so many questions. Um, but my, my prediction is at some point in the next 11 months, there will be a football season, but I still am not willing to say when, how, how many games, who will all play. Um, but at some point in the next 11 months, there will be football played somewhere.
0: I love it. Uh, I, I especially love all of our optimism to which I'm was briefly included, uh, All the reasons that I am now pessimistic again were all abundantly clear before the optimism. Like, it really shouldn't have been that hard to figure out that college kids would be college kids and have a hard time staying away from each other in bars. It shouldn't have been that hard to figure out that they can't test quite enough or lock it down quite enough to prevent asymptomatic transmission. It was inevitable that somewhere in the United States somebody was going to reopen in a poor way and that was going to like spike the cases. All these things were pretty obvious and yet I wanted college football so much and I think everyone else wanted college football so much that we were like let's ignore the obvious and just pray 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 to Jobu that there will be college football. Street I think I'm Correct in assuming that you are with Andy and I that football is not happening in the fall. Yeah. (laughs) Is that is that what you got? Is that where we're? I can
2: add a little bit more. the The point that you made earlier Chris and that Andy touched on uh, as well is that universities have a incredibly large financial interest in football happening and it's not actually just because of the athletic department though that's certainly the primary For schools for whom the athletic department comes out of the general fund, the other thing to note is that there are a lot of places where it's somewhat unseemly to look like the athletic department is running too much of a profit. And so those funds don't just stay within the athletic department's budget. They might go to other places in the university. They might backfill general funds. They might be used as an emergency fund. Of course, they may stay simply within the athletic department. But for any university for which the first two are holding, there is an even bigger reason to want to hold football, which is that if football is unable to play, that also indicates that that money is not coming to the general fund, emergency funds, etc. this year and next year. The uh, academic job market, so the hiring for professors, assistant professors, has been absolutely decimated thus far in the fall. Uh, Normally, at this particular point in the year, the jobs would start coming online. You'd start seeing ads for them. That doesn't seem to be happening. Uh, Many universities are bracing, in a practical sense, for a large retrenchment of funds. And the big hope, and if you look at what a lot of universities were doing, not just universities in the South, but universities throughout the country— was we need this to happen and we need to be open in such a way that students can be on campus. As I believe I mentioned the last time we talked about this on the podcast, a big question that schools have to face if they have football in the fall is, could you have football in the fall if students are not allowed on campus? And I was very pessimistic that that was possible because, Students cannot be considered essential employees at that point, which means they wouldn't be allowed to be on campus. So you would have to carve out some reason why athletes specifically were considered essential employees. And that strikes me as a pretty magical way to run afoul of the National Labor Relations Board's previous rulings as to why athletes couldn't unionize, that they could not be employees in that regard. So there are a lot of major sort of revenue contradictions that were at the heart of the more optimistic posture. I don't think it's a coincidence that, uh, well... I don't think it is a coincidence in the sense that I think it's a correlating factor that the places that didn't seem to be seen a lot of cases, despite having quite a mostly open posture, were precisely the places in the country where during the winter it's totally fine and in fact reasonable to be outside. And now that especially in places in the south, uh, walking outside is oppressive, but also staying indoors is oppressive because no one in the South knows how to use air conditioning, that more people are coming inside that that transmission is is adding to problems. I think that's why you're seeing that. And of course, I would be uh, neglectful if I did not mention that this is a absolute massive policy disaster that comes from, uh, and I apologize to be briefly political on what is normally a non-political podcast, uh, but all of this we saw coming almost a year ago at this point and uh very executive in the executive and the presidential administration did little to nothing to deal with it um congress but importantly senate republicans have also done very little to deal with it if you are universities but also if you are people who are attached in some way to the sports economy this is a particularly challenging time for you because as long as sports aren't being played it's not just the players and the owners though as chris said uh, earlier that he hadn't followed major league baseball it's always a good rule of thumb to assume that whatever the owners are doing is wrong it's the case here too but it's not just them. It's all the people who sell things. It is television rights. What happens if you don't have uh, football in the fall? Do those contracts attempt to force majeure and claw back revenue? If that is the case, then it's not just the obvious direct aspect of revenue for football, but it's the indirect aspect of revenue for football. Now, I said I don't think they're playing in the fall because I don't. But at the moment, I don't think it's possible for... Uh, without massive change and I want to be very clear that I hope that massive change comes true I hope that there are a variety of policy changes but also honestly that we get lucky because we need to get lucky collectively that uh, the disease is slowed and controlled Uh, I'm not at all optimistic that will happen but I hope it does Because if nothing else, uh, as long as we remain in pandemic conditions, that means lots of people uh, who shouldn't die are dying. And a lot of other people who shouldn't be getting sick are getting sick. And a lot of those people who are getting sick right now, even if they recover, might not be recovered in the way that we would think about being recovered. They might have long-term damage from this. And all of that was avoidable. So there's the Debbie Downer. It also applies from the sports angle that I very much hope we have football at least at some point in the fall, because that implies that a lot of other things have gone right. And I would really like that to occur for the basic reason that when things start going right, it means fewer people stop dying unnecessarily.
0: Yeah, I think you hit up, I mean, you hit upon a whole bunch of things and I I could go in any number of directions, but the one that I want to focus on playing off of something you said, Street, was... I get really annoyed when, when the response to why should we be concerned about football being played is these are young athletes. Young people aren't dying at the same rate. They'll be fine. And all I can think is, first of all, that still means some people are dying who are young. So that's a really crappy game of Russian roulette to force, uh, uh, student athletes to play for your, you know, TV benefit. Uh, two, We don't know what the long-term effects, as you say, are for people who suffer, who get infected, even if they're asymptomatic. Um, And that's tragic on a whole host of levels. I mean, you got players who maybe would have been in the pros, and now they can't because they can't breathe the same. Then, if you take it away from kids who are going to be the pros, and you talk about the walk-ons, they just can't breathe the same. And that's bad. That's a lifetime of not enjoying stairs. And, I don't know, I don't think anyone should have to go through life not enjoying stairs that just seems unnecessarily crappy. So, yeah, I'm with you. I hope it gets played and that that it's because things are good. I'm just pessimistic that current trends are ill-suited towards such things.
2: If you'll pardon a slight belaboring of that point, a big question that uh, we have touched on on the blog in numerous ways. Uh, I have spent in the time that I have been attached in some ways uh, to the Daily Gopher been thinking about this, uh, which is especially football. Football is a violent game. It's a game that has a very high risk of debilitating injury just normally, ignoring the pandemic conditions. And watching football and enjoying football, which to be clear, all three of us do, is at least on some level being complicit in violence. And being complicit in violence that is done to others for our enjoyment, that's a strange road to walk in a lot of ways. It's it's particularly challenging from college football. I tend to joke that college football is what you watch when you want your head injuries unpaid. As opposed to the prose. But that kind of thing also means that there is a long history within fans watching college sports not thinking about player welfare. There is also a long history that is still a modern one about the people who are supposed to be responsible for those student-athletes. And as long as we're going to put student in front of them and we're not going to pay them and we're not going to consider them employees and we're not going to provide a lot of the protections that could be associated with someone with the classification of employee, we depend greatly then on the people who are leading Those teams, and it's not just football, of course, but we're mostly talking about football here, to actually do their job. And I won't spend any extensive time, but I will note that much of what we have also seen in the last, uh, I think, six to eight weeks in terms of student activism, but particularly athletic activism, has been uh, dealing with lots of systemic problems within America, but also systemic problems within the weird amalgamation of regulation. Uh, and exploitation that is college athletics. And that's exploitation uh, that we benefit from. And to be clear, it's exploitation that certainly some student athletes also benefit from. This is not something where there is one side that's getting absolutely nothing and the other side getting absolutely everything. But it is impossible to look at NCAA athletics and not believe that there is some base level of exploitation there. Whether or not you think it is an inappropriate level is a separate question. But here's a base, there's a base thing there. And that base thing is further exacerbated when the question is, why is it that these players cannot play for my enjoyment? Why should I care that they might get sick? Well, here's a separate reason why you might wanna care about this. And we can ignore the sickness bit which is that pandemic conditions have prevented a variety of the rest, recovery, and workouts that would normally be occurring for teams. Football not only is a violent game, every time you get hit, it has the force of a car crash. That takes time to recover from, and it also requires you to have your body in a position where you can absorb that shock. It is unclear whether or not student-athletes, particularly student-athletes who come from a wealth of different backgrounds with a wealth of different access to important uh, recovery tools, have the ability or have had the ability to do that, which means you might have players getting on fields in not in the shape they need to be in not in the condition they need to be in and that is a great recipe for just getting normal injured ignoring pandemic and note that normal injuries in football can be devastating for a game that as al pacino in you know that fantastic movie speech you know is a game of inches if you're a little bit slower than you would be normally then maybe you don't realize that someone is about to hit you And that means you get a concussion that you shouldn't get otherwise. Maybe because you're a little bit weaker than you would be otherwise, you try and cut in a certain way and your knee gives out. It wouldn't have given out otherwise, but it gives out. And now you've got an ACL tear. Maybe you're a little bit uh, looser than you should be. You don't have quite the level of cohesiveness in terms of the playbook. And maybe that therefore means that instead of going one way, you go another way. uh, And there goes an ankle. And that prevents you from uh, actually achieving your potential. It prevents you from getting paid in the future, if that's what you're going for. It prevents your team from winning. And it also means that if you get injured, uh, in some levels, some people are going to blame you. They're going to blame you for not being in shape. There's a lot of view as to, like, why is it the students, the student athletes, as opposed to the far better question, which is why have we empowered a bunch of idiots, which has been broadly a lot of the university administrative posture on this, that allows these students to be put in that position. If we're, not, if we're not going to say that students themselves are employees, that they get to be adults in this way, and that, oh, they're going to be like stupid kids, if that's what we're going to do, fine. Where are the adults in the room? Well, the adults are trying to figure out right ways to exploit those kids for money. That's why you should care.
0: Holy shit, dude. That was good. I don't have anything, Andy.
1: Yeah, no. I mean, it, it's. I was just gonna hit on, and and now it sort of seems pointless after that. But, um, you know, basically, like like. Said how how things can change. You know, a, a month ago we were we were looking at the SEC basically saying, well, we're gonna keep playing whether anybody else does, and and you know we don't really care if nobody else wants to play football. We're gonna play football, and now you look at at the way the the cases and demographics have shifted, and, and, you know, you've got Alabama as cases, Clemson as cases, you know, a bunch of cases, whereas, knock on wood, so far, most of the early numbers coming out of the Big Ten schools have been pretty positive. Um, So, you know, in in some ways, the the, the Big Ten is almost better to, to set off to, if they can keep everybody healthy, which is a big, huge if as uh, as we realize that 18- to 22-year-olds don't necessarily like staying in a quarantine bubble. Um You know, the Big Ten is, is better off and looking better than a lot of other conferences out there, especially if, if the rumors are true and they're thinking about going to a, a conference-only uh, slate rather than canceling the non-conference games. But, um, you know, three weeks ago, things looked completely different. So who knows by the time we get to, it sounds like July 13th, if you have... Uh, a want to circle a date on your calendar it sounds like that's the that's a major date uh the the ncaa medical officers even come out and said um they're they're gonna have a, an evaluation of the situation by then so um we should know here in about a week and a half better idea of what's going on but um yeah i think things are definitely now currently trending in the wrong direction and and what will it take to to turn back around into the positive direction i think uh not many people really have a, have a good clue.
0: I'm with Alex. Some luck would help. I'll take some luck. Uh, there actually was one other sports topic that's perfect for this format that came up this week or was it, I don't know if it's been the last two weeks. I wasn't paying real close attention to it. Um, but then, uh, Andy helpfully mentioned a couple of the players who were listed, um, in ways that or positions that were still to be decided that piqued my interest Uh, i'm obliquely and now directly referring to the btn all decade teams uh, for basketball and football Um, i have a host of things i could say i'm gonna just keep it simple uh jordan murphy unquestionably deserves to be on the all big 10 team and if you're a person out there who says oh no Jordan Murphy wasn't on enough of the all-conference teams to be on the Big Ten all-decade team. I would simply point out that the people voting for the conference teams every year that he wasn't first-team were idiots, objectively. He should have been first-team, and the only reason he wasn't was because Minnesota sucked, and that's not his fault. So, kiss my ass, basically. Also, I'll touch on it more later, but Peter Mortel also deserves to be on the all-decade team, and I will accept no... Disagreement. Um Street, I believe you have a specific player in mind when you talk about uh concerns about the basketball all decade team.
2: Well I should say that I am slightly surprised that Aaron Kraft is on the All Decade third team because I did not realize that a requirement for the All Decade team was to be deeply annoying and not particularly good at basketball.
0: <laughs> Translated, fuck Aaron Kraft.
2: Yeah, I mean, there are an awful lot of Wisconsin players in this All-Decade team that would also meet the annoying aspect, but they are generally pretty good at basketball. Uh, None of the Maryland players seem to be part of the All-Decade team. I suppose the the possible view of that is that Maryland... Uh, and Rutgers were not in the conference for this full period of time and or some kind of hilarious trolling going on, both of which are possible, and I certainly support the latter. But it is hard for me to, separate from your point about Jordan Murphy, for which I agree, I, someone like a Melo Trimble, uh, or more recently a Bruno Fernandez certainly would qualify to me as a member of an all-decade team if I were putting together basketball, unless you believe that Maryland for some reason does not qualify.
0: Which is a viable, as Streets has a viable stance to take. Uh, Andy, on the basketball side, is there anything you'd quibble with at all?
1: Um, No, I mean, it, it, it's just obviously our bias. The fact that they named Frank Kaminsky the player of the decade is, is a bit of a bitter pop, pill to swallow. Um, you know, he was decent, but I didn't think he was that good. Um, but apparently everybody else thought he was that good. So, Because I think he won in the landslide. like It wasn't even close. Out of the 24 voters, he got like 13 or 14 of the votes for, for Player of the Decade, which, um, whatever, good for him. Uh, that would be the only thing I'd complain about, but uh, I guess I don't really have a, a better replacement um, over, over Kaminsky. Two, two thoughts about that. Uh,
0: the first is it seems fitting that a Wisconsin player would reach the pinnacle of achievement only to have failed at the ultimate goal. Uh, so that's my first point. Uh, the other is that, um, it's, we're talking about sports writers and the man like carried a pocket thesaurus with him to the, uh, post game press conferences. And that's just going to win you some sports writer love automatically. Um, on the football side, obviously Tyler Johnson, if you've been paying attention, Tyler Johnson and Antoine Winfield jr. Both got well-deserved nods uh, for the all-decade team. The football did not have multiple teams. It's just one team for one player for each position, or in some positions, obviously, for example, um, uh, a wide receiver, there's more than one, but um, no, no first, second, or third team. Uh, both of those are deserving. Is there anybody, uh, Street Andy, that you think got snubbed from the Gopher side of things?
2: Uh, I don't. I mean, I think from an all-decade team, a thing to note is that, I mean, at the beginning of the decade, they weren't very good. So you don't get players uh, from that level. And then the players during the kill regime in particular there isn't anyone who was just so unbelievably head and shoulders above so the only player that I can think of on the offensive side would be someone like a David Cobb on the defensive side would be perhaps an Eric Murray or a Brian Body Calhoun and I'm a huge fan of Eric Murray and was a huge fan in college but I don't think his stats uh, which came in part because people wouldn't throw the ball at him because he was really good but aren't something that is going to get him on an all-decade team, where he's somebody, I think, like Antoine Winfield the last couple of years, and Tyler Johnson, too, both have... I have a, I've got a buddy who would talk about this when evaluating players for the NBA draft, which is, because the NBA only of course has the two rounds, is look, if I can't identify you as the best player on the field with it after about two or three minutes of watching a game, you are not that good of a player going from college to NBA. And I think the same, at least in a football perspective for the Big Ten is true for an all decade team, because quite fortunately or unfortunately, depending on how you want to look at it, the Big Ten has an awful lot of talent. And whenever Antoine Winfield stepped on the field, when he was healthy, as far as I'm concerned, he was not only the best safety on the field, but he was arguably the best player on the field. And Tyler Johnson, similarly, was more or less unstoppable, even though he was being double and occasionally triple covered. And that's the kind of player who I think is worth an All-Big Ten slot. I don't see any other players from Minnesota's tenure over the last decade who I think I would also give that honor to.
1: Yeah, totally agree on that. I mean, you 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 know, Street mentioned David Cobb and somebody like that, and yeah, well, while Cobb for a go for running back was top good. I mean, when you're only taking two running backs and and the two running backs they named were Saquon Barkley and Jonathan Taylor, it, it's a little hard to break through those two. You know, um, you know, I, I I do find it find it a little bit funny for all the everybody talks about oh Wisconsin and Iowa having such great O lines that they only got one guy each on the all time O line while Ohio State got a pair. Um, so that was sort of, that was sort of funny that, you know, they, they each only got, got one, one little mention, um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, looking at the secondary when you, you know, Winfield's on there and then you've got a whole bunch of first round draft picks in, in Malik Hooker and, and, um, you know, dark weeds, Denard and things like that. So it's, it's going to be a little bit tough to, to break into that, um, you know the the D line is is pretty much a who's who: J.J. Watt, Ryan Kerrigan, Chase Young, Joey Bosa. I mean, it, obviously Minnesota hasn't had any amazingly great D linemen in the last ten years, but uh, you're not going to break through that four anyways. That's a damn um, good
2: NFL defensive uh, line. <laughs> yes, one hundred percent, one hundred
1: percent. Yeah, I mean, no. So, um, you know, with Tyler Johnson and Allen Robinson was the other wide receiver who got the nod. Um, you know, it, it's it's. Uh, it's pretty impressive that, that Tyler got, got that nod. You know, obviously the Big Ten have had several quality wide receivers, um, but uh, I, I watched the video earlier of, of everybody explaining why they voted for Tyler, and, and they basically gave him props and said he came out and he played all four years and had different quarterbacks throwing to him, and he it, either way he showed up all the time. So, um, you know, as we said, looks like they're finishing it up tomorrow with the quarterback, kicker, punter, all-purpose, and coach. Um Irmaire is going to
0: win. I'm going to jump in here because we're going to get Irmaire is going to win. We're going to go to a different position. I'm going to preemptively complain that Peter Mortel will not be selected as punter of the decade. I understand that Mike Sadler and Cameron Johnson of Michigan State and Ohio State, respectively, may have had better numbers, but only one of them has a blog dedicated to gifting his greatness, uh, and that is Peter Mortel, and that level of of, of standing, deserves recognition, in my opinion. Uh, if it's necessary for me to force Vox to change our blog's name to something including Peter Mortel to get him to win, I will do that. I have that power, theoretically, uh, and uh, I, I'm willing to go to the mat on this one. I'd also like to point out that um, because the Big Ten has no quality kickers, uh, worth noting, I, gar- I, just, if you, I bet no one listening can name who they would honestly believe is the Big Ten kicker of the year. This is backed up by the fact that when we went looking at who the best kickers were, trust me, not that impressive, uh, then automatically Ryan Santoso gets to be a Big Ten kicker of the decade because he wore that amazing American flag eagle shirt to a press conference once. Um, that, I think, is completely sound logic for a Big Ten uh, kicker of the year. I, I'll be honest with you, I'd even accept that Wisconsin kid from, like, Spain who looked like some weird, like, uh, over-the-hill um, soccer player who is way out of shape. You know what? Fat kicker. I'll take that, too. But, no, it's, it's going to be, I don't know. It'll be that kid from uh, Northwestern. Budzien
1: or whatever. Yeah, to, to, it, to for, for record, I just went back and looked in the in the decade since in twenty eleven was the first year that the Big Ten gave out the Big Ten Kicker of the Year award. There are three kickers that won it twice: uh, Brett Maher from Nebraska, Jeff Budzien from Northwestern, and Griffin Oaks from Indiana. You'll be pleased to know that all three of them saw their careers basically end right after college. So it shows you that the Big Ten has not exactly uh, had a stellar kicker uh, go on in the last 10 years to anything. But uh,
0: If you had asked me who or what a Griffin Oaks was, I would have said you were lying that it was a person who played football and that you were describing a shitty suburban neighborhood with a crappy stone sign. That's what I would have thought you were talking about. Sweet, I just yelled it loud enough for it to be right. That's the best kind of. That's the best kind of correct. Loudly, cor- loudly incorrect is the best kind of correct. Um, yeah. All right. Well, by the time we do one of these again, um, we could all live on the moon, and uh, dogs and cats could be talking to each other out loud for our amusement. That's how weird things have been, and I, I certainly can't promise it's going to stay any less weird because it's been 2020 and i mean remember murder hornets were a thing like two weeks ago and then we forgot about them already so be careful out there um in the meantime uh be safe everyone seriously um (laughs) be safe we don't want to. We don't want anything to happen to anyone. This is a this is a weird time. Be safe. Well, wash your hands. I, I, social I mean,
1: if, if somebody wanted to pull a, a Jason Pierre Paul and blow their fingers off via fireworks celebrating the Fourth of July, I mean that would that would be a, a not a, not a nice way, but at least be a fun way to go out.
0: <laughs> I just love how I was literally in the middle of a be safe transition to to coming out of the podcast and andy's just like nah i'm gonna jump in with blow yourself up <laughs> go out with a bang literally andy 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 coming with the the dark humor i guess uh <laughs> i love 2020 all right everyone go gophers wash your hands sky row the boat Oh